Alrighty, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the sixth day of July 2023. Happy Thursday to you. I am Derek Hunter. I am your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, and all that good stuff. Just so you know, for technical purposes and planning purposes, I have, if something goes wrong, it feels like my laptop is, I'm getting new warnings and things and whatever. It's, it's, it's old. I got this when I bought my when I got my book. Got paid for my book, and I bought a laptop to write it on. And so that was I don't know 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. I think. So it's old. It's lasted a long time, and it still is okay. Except half the websites I can't open anymore because I can't update the software, or else a whole bunch of things will go wrong on this thing. It's kind of a pain in the butt. So. I like now with all these new warnings, it's like, all right, now is the time. I tried to ride this horse as long as I could. And so I've ordered a new laptop. And thanks to everybody who chipped in for that to keep this show going because I only know how to use a Mac. So it's like, I got, I went through the edu- Here's a pro tip for you if you're going to get Mac stuff go through the education store, search like Apple Education Store, and you get a discount. Not a huge discount. Apple's really cheap. But I need extra RAM. I had to order double. Most everything comes with 8 gigs or megs of RAM or whatever the hell it is. And I need 16 because I open a ton of windows and I do a lot of things all at once. So it's I could have gone to the store if I could have just gotten a regular one. But I needed the extra RAM. So I got the lowest amount of storage possible, like 250 megabytes or something, because I can just get external storage. Once I upload a podcast, I I don't need to keep a copy of it for myself. And uh but I needed the extra RAM. So that'll probably won't be here for till not next week, but the week after next week. Takes a long time to smack those kids around in China to build one. But it's not like Windows computers are any better. But it uh so if something goes horribly wrong, I'll have to find some new and creative way to upload things i'm hoping this thing just i hope it lasts longer because i can still like use word on it and that would save me from having to use word on the other one but we shall see so there you go so thanks to everybody who has contributed to the general fund at patreon.com slash derek hunter podcast or derek hunter.locals.com or just through paypal at derek allen hunter at gmail.com to help subsidize this show and keep it going i uh putting this off as long as I could. Can't put it off any longer and feel safe and comfortable. So there you go. Enough about the tech issues. Let's get on to the booger sugar, baby. The booger sugar. We'll start with this cocaine thing. And if you're up early in like the real crack of dawn from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. the next two days, I will be hosting the WMAL morning show, O'Connor and Company, while Larry's off gallivanting around the globe. I will be getting up way too early and working with my... We've worked today, and uh, she there were a couple of testy moments in the kitchen where she's like, you got to do this. I'm like, ugh. So, uh, yeah, that's no sleep grogginess and crankiness. But she didn't smack me upside the head, which was what I was afraid of. 
So, so far, one day down, two more to go. Hopefully she won't smack me upside the head tomorrow or today or whatever. Check it out if if and you're up. All right. <clears throat> cocaine. They found cocaine in the White House. And with the usual curiosity that accompanies this White House with everything that they do, they're not particularly interested in whose cocaine it was. Could be anybody's cocaine. Now, I don't know that it's Hunter Biden's. Everybody immediately jumps to Hunter Biden, just like if you're if you're in the clubhouse of a golf course and suddenly they find, you know, two people decapitated, and then you find out that OJ is, you know, on the seventh tee box. You might before you start grabbing everybody, you might first go to OJ and say, wait a second here. There is one guy who's kind of a little bit of experience in decapitating people. Maybe we should look into him first. Now, that doesn't mean OJ cut their heads off. It just means that for the process of expedite, for the, the, the purposes of expediting the process, you probably want to check with the guy who's cut people's heads off before, right? Or alleged to, to have cut people's heads off. He was found civilly liable. So... <laughs> When you're looking around, there's cocaine in probably the most secure area, one of the most secure areas anyway on the planet. You might go, well, the guy most likely to have brought the cocaine in is the guy who has a history of cocaine use, right? Now, this story has evolved. It was originally found near the White House, and it was found in the White House. It was in the library of the White House. No, now it was a work area of the West Wing. It was, And now they're saying it was in a locker, in a place where you walk into the White House where you lock up your cell phones. And, and if you've ever had a West Wing tour, and they're not easy to get, as far I don't think they're available to the public, the general public. But if you know somebody who works in an administration, and if Republicans and Democrat administration, if you know somebody who works there, they can facilitate a West Wing tour. I went on a West Wing tour in the waning days of the, uh, I guess it was the Bush White House. Yeah friend of mine who ended up I worked with her in Conrad Burns office Ashley she ended up being um Paul Ryan's spokeswoman while she while he was speaker of the house I think she moved back to Montana now but she was nice enough to like contact me and say hey if you'd want a west wing tour this was after the election let me know and I think we went I me and my friend George and uh, his wife went then my wife my girlfriend at the time i think we just started dating she couldn't go anyway but it was like a saturday thing and had to dress up and go down there you get pictures outside you get pictures in the press briefing room and then you can't bring your phone around with you i can't remember if we had to lock it up or what you can't take it out anyway because they don't want you taking pictures inside the west wing like you're outside the room where they go into the situation room you probably they probably don't want that selfie on Facebook for reasons you can understand. But apparently they now have, because this was 2008 or two, early 2009, somewhere in there, around Christmas time. They had uh, put in lockers to lock your phones up. And the story alleged now, because I'm not sure how it goes from outside the White House to the residents of the White House, to no, 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 just in the West Wing, to no, 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 these lockers. But the story now is... That the little baggie of cocaine, we don't know how much cocaine it was, um, was found in these storage lockers. So it could have been anybody who came in. 
It's really kind of a weird way to say we got so many people coming in and out of here who are probably hooked on uh, the booger sugar that we don't know who it is. It's really just a way to say it couldn't have been Hunter Biden. And if it was found in one of those lockers, like they say now, which always could evolve, I'd say that it probably can't be Hunter Biden because, well, I'm not sure about this. I don't believe the president's family is subject to search the way that normal visitors to the West Wing are. If you go to the West Wing, you go on a West Wing tour, even if you go on an East Wing tour, just a general open to the public tour for the White House, you have to reserve your tickets ahead of time. You've got to give them your social security numbers so they can run background checks. You're not even really allowed to go into the White House without a background check. Well, the president's any president's family obviously isn't you can't say, sorry, sir, you can't have your kid in here. He's a degenerate crackhead. Even though he's a degenerate crackhead, the president's son gets to visit his parents. You know, because you got to know which account to transfer the 10% for the big guy to. So it's highly unlikely, although possible, that Hunter Biden, if it was in one of these lockers, would have tossed his blow into one of these lockers. That being said, there's footage going around of Hunter at the uh, fireworks display on the 4th, where he's up on the balcony. He's up on the Evita balcony with Joe and Jill and his wife and the children that he acknowledges. Not not the four-year-old who did nothing to nobody that he fathered with a stripper because he is a total whore, but uh, the other kids. And he looks fidgety. He looks jumpy. And he really is around his dad an awful lot. And that can be explained many ways, one of which is the worst interpretation that his father and he are trying to figure out ways to make sure that their money stays hidden and they corroborate their, they keep their stories together. Should anybody ever actually go under oath? Biden won't, Joe won't, but maybe Hunter will have to considering how many various lawsuits he's facing. The other interpretation is that Joe is concerned, it's possible, Joe is concerned he doesn't want Hunter to backslide, so he's going to keep him around him. I think it's more likely a combination of the two. You don't really want your kid to backslide while you're president of the United States because that would damage your already damaged poll numbers. But you also need him around because you do have to get your stories straight. And you've probably got a whole bunch of loose ends out there with millions of dollars attached to the end of them. That you got to figure out what to do. What do we do? We're like you've got sixteen shell corporations that have been passing through this money you've been getting from Romania. How do we stop it at shell company number eight so it doesn't get on the radar of anybody? Things like that. You've got to be able to brainstorm with those sorts of things while thinking, "Gee, I don't want my son to be busted for cocaine." Because that, if your son is busted for cocaine while you're in the White House, he. I mean, hell, he's already not paid taxes for a number of years and skirted with that uh, guilty as sin and free as a bird. So I can't imagine they're going to prosecute him for cocaine possession or cocaine use. But they could easily get a home test. If the Democrats were savvy and confident that uh, Hunter is not high on drugs, they'd, do, we did it, they'd test him. We're doing a drug test with Hunter, and we'll show you that he's clean. They're not doing that. They're not doing that. And now, showing the curiosity 
that the media is known for. They're not really interested in this story. And you can expect the narrative, which is already forming, to be fully formed by the weekend and this story to never be mentioned again. See, the Secret Service doesn't have to tell you whose cocaine it was. The Politico story. Law enforcement officials confirmed on Wednesday that cocaine was found at the White House over the weekend. But one official familiar with the investigation cautioned that the source of the drug was likely to be uh, determ- uh, was unlikely to be determined given that it was discovered in a highly trafficked area of the West Wing. Now, there are highly trafficked areas of the West Wing. Why? Because there are lots of people who work in the administration. But every square inch, at least of the uh, hallways and things uh, in the West Wing, is under surveillance, video surveillance, particularly the entryways where these things would be found if they were, in fact, in the storage cabinets. So there's really the only way you can, you're just setting the stage here for going, we may never know and we probably will never know, is code for saying even if we find out we ain't telling you. Unless it's Kevin McCarthy or Marjorie Taylor Greene or something walking in, we ain't going to tell you whose cocaine this was. There's a couple of easy ways to do this. Check all the surveillance video, who put stuff in that particular locker. And then if there are 10 people that put their stuff in that particular locker throughout the course of the day, give them a whiz quiz. Blow will stay in the system for a little while. Give them a whiz quiz. Take a hair test, whatever it is. You could find out who did this. You're also dealing with a plastic baggie. I highly doubt it was wiped down before it was thrown into the storage locker. Dust it for prints. See what's going on there. Match them up to somebody, including possible family members if it was found someplace else. See, we don't know. We're only going with their word. Their word really isn't worth a damn thing. But they don't want to know because they don't want you to know. If you remember during the Clinton administration, there used to be rules in place for the executive branch that said you could not be a drug user. You could not smoke weed and work in the White House for the President of the United States. Well, the The Clinton administration had difficulty filling all of the positions. No, that's not a sex joke about Bill, per se. But they had difficulty filling all the positions because of the marijuana test. Now, this is 30 years before decriminalization was even commonly talked about. And so the Clinton administration just waived the drug test for marijuana, not cocaine or anything like that, but the marijuana drug tests. So it's possible that Democrats just simply don't give a damn. They don't want to know. I don't know if they are uh, still drug testing at all at the White House or not for employment. But there are many, many, many tools at their disposal to find out who this was, who brought this in, if you want to know. But I always say it's amazing what you don't find out if you don't want to find it out. You can get not get answers to any number of questions if you don't ask the questions, and they're not really interested in asking the questions. They can't ignore it, per se, in the White House press corps, but they can say, we covered it, we talked about it. But it'll forever remain a mystery, probably, to everybody. Your, look, your assumptions may well be right. You just don't know. 
and they're not going to tell us. And you kind of have to just get to that point where you go, oh, well, this is the world that we live in. Kind of like when you're dealing with the spying of the federal government on you and I, the American people. A federal judge, they always, they always make sure to point out a Trump-appointed judge, has blocked the Biden administration, many departments in the Biden administration, from contacting social media companies and demanding that posts be taken down, censoring by proxy. They're not telling them, look, you, we order this post down. They go, gee, you got a nice social media company here. It'd be really sad if we... Uh, crawled up its colon of its books and made your life miserable, and we really could, but, you know, we probably wouldn't do that if you took down this post, that sort of thing. The left is beside themselves. How dare anybody? This Trump-appointed judge has gone too far, too far. The government has a need, a vested interest in the ability to censor its people, which is really, really bizarre to be honest with you. It is bizarre to listen to these leftists who used to fancy themselves, I mean, it was before my time, but during the uh, the 60s, it was all like Berkeley and free speech and everything, and now they're just straight up, we need to be able to silence people we don't like. We need to be able to stop people from saying things we don't like. And, you know, the people that they always cite, it's COVID disinformation, COVID the damage that was done in COVID disinformation, yes, there was a lot of damage done in COVID disinformation, but the vast majority of COVID disinformation was from the government, was from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. They never mention that because they don't really give a damn about this. Ultimately, it is about the principle. It is about control. I want you to listen to, he was on uh, MSNBC this morning, Walter Isaacson. He is one of those people who are beloved by the left because he writes books about people that they they love in a way that they they love Steve Jobs oh they love Steve Jobs and uh Einstein Da Vinci Da Vinci was bisexual or gay or whatever they love and Walter Isaac's books honestly are pretty good I, his Ben Franklin book is excellent but that doesn't the ability to gather information that is out there and then assemble it in a way that makes a strong narrative with the help of an editor who knows what they're doing, does not make you a genius and does not make you an expert. Look, if you've got questions about Albert Einstein, you're right there. Walter Isaacson is a guy you want to get on. But if you have questions about the concept of government censorship by proxy and abuses of the First Amendment, violations of the First Amendment, he's probably not your go-to guy. Here he was on Morning Joe this morning. And I think Judge Daugherty's decision goes too far. We're in the press. We're always used uh, to people from the government saying, hey, don't print that. But what the Twitter file showed, and in my book I talk about the night after night when they're releasing these files, is that it went a bit far. It wasn't just government saying, don't uh, print things or, or amplify things about, say, uh, the uh, Barrington Doctrine, which talks about the spread of COVID. It was somehow coercing a bit. And what was worse, the social media companies didn't just play along. 
they colluded and tried to stop some of the flow of information. So I think this is a little bit of a corrective, but I clearly feel that in the end, the decision will be refined somewhat because government has to have the right to have its own free speech to push back when they see things on social media that they think are dangerous. <laughs> he starts off good. You're like, oh, yeah, no, censorship bad. And then he goes, but government has to be able to censor if things are bad. No, they don't. Government can, you know, I don't know, try to make an argument, try to make a case, try to do something that is, uh, you know, counters bad information. The best way to counter bad information is with good information. The problem is the bad information was coming from government. It's different when uh, you or I tell somebody to shut up, when the government tells somebody to shut up. You or I can't put somebody in prison. Government can. You and I are not limited by the Constitution and our ability to police other people's speech, although the left would never admit that, but the government is unambiguously. It's really kind of bizarre to say, yeah, no, no, it's really bad, and they went too far, and it was crazy. Oh, yeah, it was awful, awful, terrible, and then, like, but you got to be able to do it, because what if somebody's out there saying something you don't like? hell do you mean somebody's out there saying something you don't like that's exactly the speech that needs to be protected because while it might not be your speech today that they're going after it will be your speech eventually because they will they 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 get rid of the things they'll redefine what is the danger what is this information to the point that they will make you the enemy because ultimately you are their enemy now, here's um, CNN's Ellie Honig. He is their, uh, he's a le- senior legal analyst over at CNN. Yeah, these people, how do they get these jobs and how do they look at themselves in the mirror? I get it that politics is now a team sport. But at a certain point, don't you have to go, boy, Barry Bonds' head really grew a lot, which isn't really natural but does happen with steroid use. Don't you kind of have to be a little bit honest with yourself at some point? A stopped clock is right twice a day, but these people are determined to never even accidentally be right. Yes, this is a Trump-appointed judge, but this judge was confirmed 98 to 0 by the Senate. Just reading the words in this injunction, a, quote, massive effort by the defendants to suppress speech based on content, those are the judge's words, calling the present case, quote, arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in the United States history, Ellie. It's a dramatic uh, decision by this judge. If you read through it, he's citing to literature and George Washington and Ben Franklin. Here's what really is astonishing to me. This is a conservative ideology that clearly comes through in this Decision. It's a conservative political ideology, right? We saw some of the quotes questioning vaccines, questioning masks, conservative talking points. But the ruling itself is the opposite of judicial conservatism. This is one of the most aggressive, far-reaching rulings you'll ever see. What this judge is purporting to do is to micromanage, really, the day-to-day interactions between essentially the entire executive branch, all these agencies that are listed as defendants, and the leading social media companies. And in the actual temporary injunction, the judge basically says, you're not allowed, administration, to talk to these social media companies about any protected free speech 
except for cybersecurity threats, national security threats, criminal threats. But where's the line? Who's going to police this? This is a judge trying to micromanage the day-to-day regular activities of the entire executive branch. I don't know that it's actually policeable by the judge, but it's really an astonishing... I don't mean this necessarily as a criticism. This is a very activist judicial opinion. I just, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? I know, well, there are exceptions for national security. Yeah, okay, so how is somebody saying, I'm not going to take the vaccine or masks don't work? How is that a threat to national security? It's not, but to some mid-level bureaucrat who is hell-bent on making sure that opinions that differ from Joe Biden's proved opinions are never heard by anybody else, they can say, well, I would have viewed as a national security risk. It's not broad-reaching. It is, hey, you don't have the ability to shut people down. You don't have the ability to get by proxy censor Americans. And that's what they were doing. Ellie doesn't really care because, why? Because he's on that team. He's probably not that bright to begin with anyway. Being on television usually means you're just this side of Forrest Gump when it comes to IQ points. But I found that wildly interesting that these people are out there making the case for censorship as though somehow it's for the great... Isn't it always? I mean, the Nazis, everything that they did was for the greater good. The good of the Reich, right? Am I right? Of course I'm right. I'm always right. But these people are the threat. They're always the threat. Uh, Speaking of people who are a threat, this is interesting. And if you're wondering why you're not really hearing about so many of the mass shootings that happened over the 4th of July weekend... It's because they were perpetrated by the wrong people. In Baltimore, a whole bunch of people were shot uh, at a block party. They finally got the worthless governor who thinks he's going to be the next president, and the media will carry him as long as they can because he just happens to be black. So, oh, he's wonderful. He's been in the job for like three months, and they're like, he's already talked about. For... Well, the only reason he's talked about is because of the color of his skin. It brings nothing else to the table. He's been in politics for 20 minutes. But he finally got off his ass after a couple of days and went down to Baltimore and pretended to care about the people who were killed. Ten people were shot, two people, three people killed, including a kid. And um, it was at a block party, broad daylight. Nobody, everybody saw it. Everybody knew who was shooting. There were multiple shooters, apparently. And they're running around and, and no, no arrests have been made. They don't even know. Nobody's talking to the police. Nobody's talking to the police. This is the real problem. If the governor and the mayor of Baltimore and any one of these so-called community leaders across the country, particularly in black communities that are ravaged by violence, not by evil police officers, but by drug dealers and goons who murder people because human life means nothing to them, you have to tell people And you can't just do it once or twice or when there's a tragedy, but you have to hammer it home that you have to cooperate with police. Cooperating with police will save lives. It is important to cooperate with police. And the damn well better spare no expense in protecting the people who do cooperate with police because otherwise they're going to get killed. If you've got to relocate them, you've got to come up with whatever you've got to do, you've got to do it. Because that's the only way you're going to put these... a, A bunch of people shot... By a couple people in Baltimore, I think it was. And there's no arrests, no suspects. No, like, hey, we're just looking for somebody. They won't give you a description of them because of political correctness. 
There's no way in God's green earth people, some people, and probably a lot of people, at this block party didn't not only see what happened, but know who did it. But they're either scared because they don't think the police will protect them from these goons should they bear witness to them, or they ain't going to talk to the cops because snitches get stitches. And these black politicians out there, and it has to come from them because me being a white guy saying it isn't going to do any good, it has to come from them. These elected leaders are supposed to lead, but it isn't coming from these elected leaders, which means nothing is coming from these elected leaders. Yeah, the mayor of Baltimore is like, this is ridiculous. We shouldn't be having these shootings. Yeah, no kidding. Congratulations, Captain Obvious. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to change the culture? Well, right now in Democratic Party politics, it's still very popular to say defund the police. It's less popular to actually defund the police, but it's still popular to say defund the police and be ready to pounce on police every chance you get for your own personal political gain. So it makes it a little more difficult when you're sitting there and telling people you should probably go talk to the police so that we can get these killers off the streets. So you're not going to hear about Baltimore very much because it wasn't uh, cops doing it. The configuration of victim to perp, skin color-wise, is exactly the same. Not newsworthy in the food pyramid of liberal outrage. Then you go up a little bit, up 95, to Philadelphia, the city of brotherly trans love, apparently. Hot air, David Storm there. I don't think that being transgender necessarily makes you violate any rights, but I also think it's not a coincidence that a number of mass shootings lately have been carried out by transgender-identifying people. Alphabet ideology uh, radicalizes people and convinces them they are hated by and under constant threat from a larger society. That is the case. And you have the situation in Philadelphia. Another mass shooting over the weekend. And it was done by a trans person. If you probably haven't, if you haven't heard about it, that's probably why. Because the shooter is a trans person. New York Post has the story. Gunman arrested for Philadelphia mass shooting that left five dead is BLM activist who wore women's clothes, according to sources. Hmm. The rifle-wielding suspect who donned a bulletproof vest before allegedly shooting dead five men and injuring two children in Philadelphia has been identified as a Black Lives Matter supporter who shared gun-toting memes on social media. Kim Brady, one word, Kim Brady, Carricker, 40, was nabbed shortly after the bloodshed in the city's Kingising neighborhood on uh, Monday night, a Philadelphia Inquirer reported. Cops haven't yet publicly disclosed the suspect's identity on his Facebook page. Carricker posted two pictures of himself wearing a bra, a woman's top and earrings, and his hair braided in uh, braided long in March, three months before the alleged shooting. Pretty clear that this person identifies as trans, but the left has a narrative it would very much, very, very much like to keep protected that trans people in no way, shape, or form would ever commit any kind of crime. And how dare you 
even suggest such a thing. So at a press conference scolding the media, particularly conservative media, a BLM representative was up there, activist, excoriating the media for pointing out that this trans person was trans. Because why? Because of violent rhetoric. Now, which do you think is a bigger threat? Because he he pulls, this guy pulls the, it's a threat to saying these things and pointing out the truth is a threat to the trans community, particularly the black trans women community. Because like I say, the liberals will love victims and they always have like the super victim, the especially clause in everything they do. Listen to this rant garbage. All as a city in our prayers. I want to discuss very briefly because there is a nasty, violent, in terms of verbal and written words, um, spewed by the conservative press um, regarding the shooter. There are certain pictures that are circulating. Some of you may are be aware of those pictures. Uh, have the, the shooter in one picture as male and other pictures dressed in female uh, attire or female um, outfits. They have used those pictures to attack trans people and particularly trans women of color, which are extremely vulnerable uh, to violence in our community. I want to set the record straight because language is extremely important when we're talking about anything dealing with violence and trans community. The suspect or the shooter has not identified themselves as trans. They have only identified themselves as male. And that's the language that will be used until further developments if they change that type of language. But the language that is spewed out by the conservative press is violent and is dangerous and is targeting trans women of color. It's rallying the community to be violent. And we're bitter than that. We're better than that. We have our trans women and our trans men living in these communities, working, thriving in the communities. They are not killers. They are the most vulnerable to violence. They want to live their lives, and they have every right to do so. And we will not allow conservative bigots to use that type of language to attack... Oh, conservative bigots attack the language. Oh, it's such a horrible victim thing. Um, I love it. Uh, how is it that black black trans women or trans women of color or whatever the hell is, how is it that they're the most susceptible to violence? What the hell is going on? What are they doing? Where are they hanging? Who are they hanging with? And how many of those instances, if this, they don't actually ever prove, provide statistics. And they say, well, there's a number of murders and the number of this and the number of that. And the number of murders is like maybe reaches double digits in the course of a year, dozen or so. It's not an epidemic as a percentage of the population. That's When they argue percents, that means they don't really have the raw numbers. Percentage-wise, it's more than this. And the number of trans people killed every year, the trans women of color are uh, more susceptible to being murdered. Uh, okay, I, I guess. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like saying, well, black men are disproportionately murdered by police officers. And you go, well, what, like unarmed black men, they're like, four of them last year 
and there were like eight unarmed white men killed by police last year for whatever reason resisting arrest it's never they're just standing there and somebody comes along and shoots them like they're at a block party in baltimore and they say yes but it's disproportionate disproportionate see it's two to one evil whitey being killed more than than black people but uh, the population, it's more like three to one. So you got to either kill, you got to kill more white people to make it proportionate or something. They'd find some way to make it bad. You you sit there and you fudge the numbers. You play with statistics and you can make whatever argument you want. It's uh, figures lie and liars figure. So you listen to this guy, oh, this person, oh, sure, he just wore some, some dresses. Okay. What? This could be the first human being that the trend, the alphabet mafia has said, nope, not, we don't want them. You're not in. I don't think that's how it works. I'm pretty sure that you don't even have to declare it for you to have to use somebody's pronouns or not dead name somebody or respect their gender choices or what have you. And otherwise, anything short of that is some kind of hate crime, right? That's my understanding of things. But I, I just live in a world of, of rational thought. So what the hell do I know? What place do I have? Meanwhile, I want to play this video. Again, these people take to social media. They take to TikTok. I don't understand what the appeal is of TikTok, uh, aside from just basically saying, here, dark web, here's all of my personal information. Go ahead. Get all my contacts. Get everything off my phone. Here's the ultimate blackmail material. Find the penis pics that I took of myself and uh, share them with the world should I ever rear my ugly head publicly and it serve your purposes. Uh, but the left, these leftists, these unstable people who desperately seek validation externally, and that's really what it is. I feel sorry for these people because if you need external validation for your existence, you're never really going to find it because it's just never going to be enough. If you need one person to externally to validate you and then you do it, oh, that's good, it feels good. It, you know, never, nobody ever goes, all right, well, I'm satiated. Now everybody else can go to hell. No, it is, I need more. I am a victim. People are out to get me and you need more sympathy. You need more empathy. You need more uh, victimhood. You need more Bitcoin from the left. The currency of the left is victimhood. And you just go on, you end up being empty, filled but empty. You got a whole bunch of quote unquote allies going, Oh, you're such a hero and so brave for telling your story. And then one person on a bus just looks at you like you're a weirdo because you've got two inch long fake turquoise nails, which is what the guy in this video is wearing, and a leather jughead hat. And you're like, I don't I don't really care. You could be, you know, the the biggest stud in the world banging chicks two at a time. But if you've got two-inch-long turquoise fake nails, I assume they're fake, and uh, your leather jughead hat, you're going to get weird looks on the bus. I don't really care. I think it's the, the, tur- the uh, press-on turquoise, you know, the lead press-ons. But it'll somehow damage your psyche to the point that you can't function as a human being. If that is the case, then I don't think you could function as a human being beforehand. You're crying out for attention and people look at you like you're... I love these people who are like, I'm so weird, I'm so weird, I'm going to dress like a weirdo. And then somebody says, get out of here, weirdo. Like, I've been victimized. (laughs) Look, I was a weirdo in high school. I'm still weird in many ways. 
I uh, I had the weird freakish hair. I didn't care. I I dressed basically in Salvation Army clothes because that was all I could afford. And my dad's flannels. I had uh, Chuck Taylor high tops that I had everybody sign. I even got the principal and the vice principals to sign my my chucks. They eventually pine tar leaked out of a container of pine tar and ruined them. But I had these shoes for a long, long time, signed by a whole bunch of people in my class, probably like 50, 60 of them. I got big feet. And I never once said, look at me. And then as soon as people said, stop looking at me. The people I really despised the most were the people who wouldn't shut up about how weird they were and how everybody was mean to them because they were weird other times. I'm so weird. Everybody knows I'm just so weird. I'm so weird. I have a, a pet lizard that you know they never did anything with unless somebody was looking. They, I love listening to, to Bauhaus and the Smiths and the Cure and the this and the that. And the other. I did too. But I didn't feel the need to blast it for the world because somebody in a Bon Jovi t-shirt was walking by and like, they need to know that I don't like... like no, I don't, it was enough to know that I liked it and that their music taste sucked. I don't need to broadcast to the world everything. I've never been insecure. I've been insecure in other ways, but I've never been insecure in that kind of way that I really, I was, every time I was a jackass, I was a jackass for a purpose or most of the time anyway. But these people just kind of set themselves on fire and then, what are you looking at me for? You're only looking at me because I'm weird. Like, no, I'm looking at you because your hair is purple and you got a spiky mohawk and you, you spent five hours to get that look together and you never learned to read because you were too busy doing your hair. Like, I think you're stupid. I think you're stupid. We might have simpatico on the, the music tastes. Peter Murphy rules, but um, you're a jackass. Anyway, this person, I don't know if he's a jackass or not, but he just exemplifies the please validate me mentality by so many on the left, particularly in the alphabet mafia, the vocal alphabet mafia. Actually, the real gay and, and lesbian people I know are not at all pleased to be associated with these people. They look at them the same way I've described them. It was, it was like a pity and then contempt. Like, just get away from me. Knock it off. Just kind of want to smack them upside the head. What's wrong with you? So that is uh, what we got here. This guy is, he's going to make sure that you act, so he demands you act a certain way to validate him straight people stop scrolling watch my video please if you have an lgbtq person in your family or near you or you work with or someone you know is lgbtq please help us please stop letting your family dictate that they hate queer people please stop letting that go unchecked the world is getting more and more hateful and it is getting spurred on by vicious lies against us. If somebody tells you a fact about the queer community sexualizing children, why are you believing them over the queer person who is standing next to you? I don't care about children. I want to live my life. I want to be able to not be bullied walking outside. I want to be able to go to work and not be called slurs. I want my trans friends to be able to seek the care that stops them from committing suicide. I want kids to have the ability to go through high school, not hoping day after day that someone will save them. Not thinking day after day that they don't deserve to be there. That there's something inherently wrong with them. That it would be easier for them to be dead than to be alive and fighting for who they are. 
I lived through elementary school and high school as a queer student. I can tell you the hell that it was. Trigger warning because this is going to get a bit vivid. I ended up having to go into therapy because I had cut myself. For years of my high school experience, I thought it was better to take out my anger and frustrations on myself. I was hiding in the closet because I thought I was going to get beaten from the people who called me F-slurs on the bus. The person who walked on the bus one day and started yelling to the entire bus that I had a mangina did not stop bullying me on the bus when I stood up to him. I went home and I got personal messages from him online telling me that I should go kill myself. And the worst part about this whole thing is that I believed that that is true, that I should. And it's because of the people who did not stand up for me, the people who did not go to my aid and try and help me. And I didn't reach out for help because I didn't think that help would come to me because I didn't deserve it because I was a queer person. The only thing I wish for kids is that they don't end up like I did when I was in high school. I hope kids don't end up like you did in high school either. Look, everybody's been bullied and picked on and whatever. It's time to get over it because you're long out of high school and at some point you do have to get over it or you'll be a prisoner to it forever. But if they're saying they're sexualizing kids, you say, no, they're not. And nobody's saying every gay person is doing this. But when you see a dude in a thong grinding his crotch in front of a kid, uh, that person sure as hell is. And when you say, hey, that person shouldn't be grinding their crotch in front of a kid, and a whole bunch of other people go, you're a hate monger monster, leave him alone, it's just expressing himself, it's art, then they are actually justifying grinding crotches in front of kids and the sexualization of children. And I'm sorry that that gives you the sads, but I also don't care. Because you're part of the problem. You're enabling the problem. That's the issue. That's the load of crap we're dealing with. But they never want to do that. You need to stop doing this and you need to stop doing that. Okay, read Gender Queer. Read it. Show some of the illustrations. Just look it up. It's amazing how many people declare these book banning things. They, the books aren't banned. You can go out and buy. If you really want your five-year-old to learn how to perform oral sex on an adult male, you can find a copy of Gender Queer and get the how-to guide on how to do it. And also on how to hide the fact that you've been molested and everything like that. You can You can find that stuff. It doesn't belong in the public school library. It serves no actual purpose except to make weirdos like this guy feel better about themselves for whatever reason. I don't know what this guy's trauma is. High school was a drag, but high school was a long time ago, and high school was a drag on and off for just about everybody. And a lot of people engaged in self-mutilation on a time, time basis in high school. I would cut my left forearm out of depression. Yeah, I did it. So what? I'm not a prisoner to it. I'm not proud of it. I'm not hiding from it. It just was. Just how it worked out. Doesn't make me special. Doesn't make me broken. Doesn't make me anything. But you're sitting there and you want to be special and you demand to be treated specially because you had some trauma. Well, welcome to the party, pal. Take off the Lee Press-Ons and the Jughead hat and I don't know, if you want to be, if you don't want to be noticed, then don't dress to be noticed. I want to express myself. Hey, on a Friday or Saturday night, knock yourself out. On a Tuesday afternoon, maybe that you go to work, maybe that's not the way. I'm, I, I love dude t-shirts. And like, why are you so obsessed with my, my sexuality? Well, you tell everybody about it. I'm not obsessed with it. I'd rather not hear about it. I couldn't care less. But you're the one with the tattoos on your face 
talking about how you love men or women or whatever. Like, I don't care. I don't want to hear the guy talking about how many women he's banged, and I don't want to hear the guy talking about how many dudes he's banged. Get over yourself. Stop seeking external validation for your existence, and whatever the hell you are and whatever the hell you do, become comfortable with it yourself, and your life will be exponentially better. If you keep fishing around for somebody else to applaud you just because you exist, you're going to be miserable your whole life. And quite frankly, you will have earned every last bit of it. No offense, but you will have. Give the I don't give an F thing. These are people who live in their comment section, who live in their social media mentions. You hear it on the radio. It's weird. There's one particular person who anytime anybody tweets about them, they off on it. Oh, man, it's just a nonstop paranoid rage fest. And it's like, what's the matter with you? They didn't even mention you, and you're freaking out about it. Because why? Because you search for it. You can complain about how the left is loving victimhood, and they do, but when you do like an hour on it, you kind of love it too. You're no better than them. Stop seeking external validation. Find it internally, and you'll be much happier. And if you're unhappy and miserable because of your own doing, or if it's just a shtick or whatever, don't expect me to give a damn. Either way. No respect no concern, no nothing. Harsh, maybe, but true. The truth hurts, but it's better to get that than some BS spin. Anyway, that's about enough for today. I want to get off this high horse and get to bed because i got to be up at 4 o'clock in the freaking morning and it's already 9 o'clock at night. So have yourself a wonderful Thursday. I'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow and get us mercifully to the weekend. Have a great one.